Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Courtside Podcast, an NBA podcast. This episode is brought to you by YouTube channels Hiram Temptation and Captain Barbo, who make content on YouTube weekly. And don't forget to follow the podcast. Welcome back to the Courtside Podcast, and it is officially the new NBA year. So happy new year for those NBA fans. And it came with a lot of firepower and a lot of fireworks. We saw a bunch of contract extensions, trade talk, free agency started yesterday at 6 p.m. And we already got a couple of big signings coming out and answers finally coming to be in the spotlight for players like Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, and even more questions for Kevin Durant in the Brooklyn Nets. But before we go into any of that, this is just around the midnight mark uh, when everything's being finalized. So all the official moves are being done right now. And some of them are actually the contract extensions, which I find to be very surprising. That's actually the first thing we're going to talk about in this podcast. The insane money being thrown around on contract extensions to these star talents. And specifically, the young star talents. I mean, right now, Memphis Grizzlies star John Morant has agreed to a five-year deal, $193 million designated rookie maximum deal for the extension. And later on, it could be even worth $231 million, according to his agent, uh, Jim Tanner. But let me tell you, he's not the only one either. I mean, the Phoenix Suns, right? Devin Booker has agreed to a four-year, $224 million supermax deal. And falling right behind him, Minnesota Timberwolves superstar Carl Anthony Towns. And yes, superstar because he's one of the top centers out there. But Carl Anthony Towns has agreed to a four-year, $224 million Supermax extension. This is mirroring the identical deal that was out in Phoenix. So, is this even valid to even say that Carl Anthony Towns is worth more than $200 million? Is it even valid to say that Devin Booker and John Morant at this point in their young careers are worth more than $200 million? Well, I'll tell you who it is. It's the guy who just got the biggest deal in NBA history. The Denver Nuggets two-time MVP and this year's MVP, Nikola Jokic, just agreed to a five-year, $270 million super maximum, no duh, super maximum contract extension, $207 million. That's $30 million away from $300 million. It is the largest NBA contract ever recorded and probably ever, if any deal in the NBA, probably the largest size from trades, signing trades, whatever you want to call it. $270 million for one individual player? I mean, is this Michael Jordan? I mean, what is going on right now? I understand you want to keep Jokic in Denver, but at the same time, you still have to build a team around Jokic in Denver. I mean, what does this do? $270 million for the next five years. I mean, how do you guys look to battle the luxury tax every year? How do you guys look to sign these free agents and actually compete out there in the West? Especially the way that the Warriors are built right now with a young roster. The way that John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies have been doing so far so good with one of the best coaches and Coach Jenkins out there. I mean, what do you do out West if you're Denver? This is honestly a weird deal. I don't agree with it. At the same time, I understand it because no one in their right mind would not want to pay Jokic. But $270 million, that's a lot. As Jokic becomes the largest deal in NBA history as he accepts that five-year super maximum contract extension. For 270 million, and now going into free agency, 
we see other big pieces as well. And going, you know, sticking with the the program, 200 plus million dollar extensions and whatnot. Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards, who was in speculation of possibly not signing back with the Wizards and going out to, let's say, the Heat, the Celtics. Some even might have said possibly somewhere out west uh, after he opted out of his um, his player option to go back with to the Wizards originally. He goes into free agency and gets a bigger deal, a deal worth 230-something million. I don't have the exact number right now. I mean, they're still going back and forth. However, the Wizards... Not only do they get Bradley Beal back for five years, the 29-year-old, but they also get guard Dallon Wright, who agreed to a two-year uh, deal for $16 million, and he was a pretty good piece out there in Atlanta. But they also get Will Barton and Monte Morris, which they actually did a trade uh, recently, I believe about a couple of days. I know it's been like less than a week that the trade happened. Uh, they ended up trading, um, I believe, Ish Smith and Caldwell Pope out there to Denver. Uh, for Will Bard and Monte Morris. So it looks like right now, Bradley Beal, not only does he come back to the Wizards on a huge contract, probably the biggest one that he would have ever gotten this free agency, he also gets himself as well, Will Bard, Monte Morris, and DeLon Wright, and will add on more pieces to Washington, who so far, they could actually be a possible playoff team out there in the Eastern Conference. I'm not too positive on exactly where I stand on that. I do feel like the pieces that they add so far within the week have already put them over teams like the Pacers. And as outlandish as this may sound, might even edge them out against Charlotte, who's obviously going through their own issues, which we'll be talking about later on in this podcast. But the Washington Wizards are also making moves as they not only do get uh, Wizard star Bradley Beal back, but also multiple pieces. And then we keep on going. I mean... Kyle Anderson, right? You thought that he'll be back over there in the Grizzlies with the second-seeded team out there in the West. He actually goes to Minnesota. He agreed to a two-year deal, $18 million deal with the Timberwolves. And this will just add on more pieces for a T-Wolves team that is young and is ready to scrap back to make it through the second round and maybe even do a deeper playoff run than they did from their first-round exit this year. So... Teams riding themselves. A lot of teams are even finding themselves in particular situations where they're contenders now, like the Clippers, who just added John Wall and as well as Nicholas Batum. But the one thing that I find interesting about this one is the free agent signings that also come with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, if you haven't heard, you've been living under a rock. Kevin Durant about two hours prior of the 6 o'clock time Thursday when free agency was about to happen, the 34-year-old Kevin Durant, who was on an annual salary of $44 million for the next four years, has asked for a trade directly to the owner's face of the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant, who was monitoring the entire situation with Kyrie Irving, who everyone's been saying that is a toxic uh, it's a, basically a bug on the side of a franchise's side and has been really just everywhere as a nuisance. He Kyrie Irving ends up, you know, opting in for his player contract for about $36, $37 million, And everyone thought that was the end of it. Kevin Durant is going to stay in Brooklyn, play another season with Kyrie Irving as they always wanted. KD is looking right now to be traded. And the two top destinations that he was looking at 
at first, of course, at first, in the beginning before free agency even started, was Devin Booker joining him over there in Phoenix, as well as Jimmy Butler's Miami Heat. Kevin Durant is looking to be on two contending teams who have star talents, such as, as I mentioned before, Booker as well as Butler. However, that they aren't really teams with multiple guys. It's a team. It is the two best franchises right now that are looking to contend in the NBA Finals that have a orientated team mindset. And I love that from Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant going out of his way to say that, hey, the Brooklyn situation is getting kind of toxic. I don't really think that it's a good vibe here anymore. I just want to play basketball. I want to go to a team that gives me the best chance. However, the team that gives me the best chance that won't have media attention everywhere. I mean, if we're talking about less media attention, you got to the right place with the Miami Heat because no one talks about the Miami Heat despite their success from this season. But let me tell you, though, those two teams were squashed out immediately going to free agency. Uh, basically, when Kevin Durant and Sean Marks, the GM of the Brooklyn Nets, went into free agency, the moment that he asked for that trade, they both agreed on finding the best option for Kevin Durant and finding the best option for the Brooklyn Nets. And what did we see automatically? As I mentioned before, Devin Booker getting that contract extension, 200 something million dollars plus. So obviously the Suns are out of the question, can't afford it, let alone that Kevin Durant won't even be able to have pieces moving around with DeAndre Aiden still on a bubble of if Phoenix even wants him back. So the Suns were out of the question after the contract extension of Devin Booker. And then you go look at Miami's way. And Miami, again, you know, they haven't done anything real serious so far in this free agency. Uh, but the main the main stories around the Miami Heat right now in free agency is that they lost P.J. Tucker uh, to the Philadelphia 76ers as Tucker signs a three-year deal worth of $33 million with Philadelphia. But however, they do bring back Victor Oladipo as well as Dwayne Dedman. Uh, for a couple of uh, years for Dwayne Dedman. And then, uh, uh, crazy as it sounds, UD, Udonis Haslam, the uh, almost 40-year-old guy on that Miami Heat bench who hasn't really played more than five minutes in the past three years, apparently the Miami Heat has sent out a huge core of their employees out to UD's place and see if they can try to recruit him for another year. That's how insane Miami's offseason has been so far. It hasn't even been 12 hours into free agency. So from the looks of it, Miami right now, they don't have a lot to offer for a Kevin Durant deal. The one type of deal that's been going around right now on NBA Twitter and NBA News is a deal that would consist of Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, and three first-round picks, obviously protected uh, first-rounders. I don't know if that deal even gets the job done talent-wise. Tyler Hero, again, phenomenal player, sixth man of the year. However, he doesn't really bring that offensive, you know, equivalent that Kevin Durant would have, even with you adding Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry on the same package. Kyle Lowry, the heaters is trying to move him out. He was really inconsistent during the playoffs for the Miami Heat, and a lot of Heat fans just found him to be absolutely annoying to watch on the court, from at least what I've heard. Uh, but in reality, it looks like that Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, as well as Kyle Lowry are the only pieces that the Miami Heat will be willing to move 
just because Bam and Abai will be off the table due to a uh, you can't have two I believe two rookies on a contract extension on the same team. I believe that's the rule, but for contract reasons, Bam and Abai cannot be a part of a deal with Kevin Durant going to Miami. And nevertheless, Jimmy Butler will probably be off the table on any deal that happens with Pat Riley, the Miami Heat, and Sean Marks of the Brooklyn Nets. So both the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns seem to be out of the question for this KD sweepstakes. So what is that? I mean, where does that leave us right now? From what I'm seeing it, there's only two teams that have a viable option where it would be the owner winning and as well it would be KD winning. However, I feel like it would have to be split in the middle. And let's first go to the deal that would be best for the Brooklyn Nets. However, the worst for Kevin Durant. And of course, I am talking about the New Orleans Pelicans and the idea of Brandon Ingram going to Brooklyn. Now, when Brandon Ingram came into the NBA throughout his draft class, everybody was comparing him to Kevin Durant, obviously, not only for his size, but as well as for his game, his shooting ability, and just the potential he had. And let me tell you, he's basically broke that potential already. Brandon Ingram, already an all-star in New Orleans with Zion out, picked up his team, even made it close enough where you saw some playoff contention coming out of New Orleans and was real successful in the first round against the Phoenix Suns. Took Phoenix to six games this year in the first round with Brandon Ingram being an absolute star on that team. So if the Brooklyn Nets were to do a deal, it would definitely be out there in New Orleans with Brandon Ingram. However, they can also even flip the script and say, we want Zion Williamson. And Zion Williamson will be more or less of a risk for Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets just because of his injury report for his entire NBA career. Just being not even, I don't even think there's even been a season where he's played more than 60 games. However, still, Zion Williamson is a phenomenal talent, and when he's healthy on the court, he is an absolute monster shredding through defenses. So, again, Sean Marks, either with Brandon Ingram part of a deal, Zion Williamson part of the deal, and even the small pieces they have out there in New Orleans, from Alvarado, uh, Herb Jones, and all the young core players out there. I mean, they have even Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham, you can even add on to a deal. So, the Brooklyn Nets will definitely guarantee themselves to have a young core already with a superstar all-star with is about, I believe, less than 25 years old. I mean, that is probably the best deal out there for the Brooklyn Nets. The only issue is Kevin Durant will not be happy with that. Kevin Durant, and I can probably say this with any all-star out there or main player, would not be happy living out their career in New Orleans. And I hate to say that because I really love David Griffin, what he's doing over there with that small market team right now, and how the Pelicans have been run for the past five years. I think it's a phenomenal job over there. Despite, of course, losing out Anthony Davis. But then again, Anthony Davis went on on his own terms. The Pelicans, great front office, great team. I think the fan base is just, you know, thriving out there in Louisiana. But Kevin Durant will not want to be out there in those games at Smoothie King Center. I highly doubt that even KD's mom will even show up to those games if he ends up getting traded away to the New Orleans Pelicans. So it's definitely not a spot where... You know, if you lived in Brooklyn and you have to move out there to the bayou, I don't think that Kevin Durant would want that. So that might be a deal that's off the table just because of KD wanting to be in a specific designated location. And that other location could be with the Boston Celtics. Now, I know that the Celtics, they can't really out there recruit. They can't really go and say that, hey, come to Boston. 
you know, it's not even, even though beautiful city Boston is, it's not compared to New York. And it's going to be hard for KD to even realize that, that no city he goes to, let alone no team, will be like a New York team, especially one that you run over. Because the Boston Celtics, you will not be able to run over that franchise, that historic fan base, and as well as the current situation they have over there already making an NBA Finals with the young duel of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And the reason I say that Katie will most likely be happy in this situation is just because he gets back on a contending team, you're still out there in the East, and the best part about all this, I mean, you're still in the Northeast. You're in Boston. And the best part about being in Boston is that you got a fan base behind you and an actual crowd that cheers you on for better or worse. I mean, it can't be as bad as Philadelphia, but at the same time, I mean, the Celtic fans are very much alive during those games. And that's something that we've probably been missing out from KD's career and his time in Brooklyn for the past two seasons. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, who are still a team that is trying to get themselves fixated in New York City. Obviously, it's hard to do that with the New York Knicks, historic franchise as they are. The Nets fan base is somewhat smithering away after all this news. And even before that, they weren't even much, let alone a handful of a couple people out there at the Barclays Center. So... Kevin Durant going to an actual NBA historic franchise as the Boston Celtics and will be probably run really well as it already is with Brad Stevens. We'll definitely have his best opportunity to win another chip out there in the Eastern Conference. And if you want to go to the Western Conference, you'll have to go to, uh, I will say, the Golden State Warriors because that's the only other team that gives you an opportunity to uh, make a deal with Sean Marks. But at the same time, I don't think the Warriors want to give up any pieces, let alone any assets of their rotational players. So, then again, Andrew Wiggins added him on with, you know, Draymond Green if you wanted to get KD over there to Golden State. It's a real possibility. Highly doubt it. So, that's why I say Boston would probably be the best place for KD. However, Sean Marks would have to do the teeth-grinding process of trying to get one of the two superstars out of a Boston Celtics green uniform. He would either ask for a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown to be a part of a deal that brings... Kevin Durant to TD Garden. Now, will that ever happen? I highly doubt that. Brad Stevens, who is only in his second, my apologies, in his first year as the president, general manager, and the main guy really running the Celtics, in his first year, he's already gone to the NBA Finals. However, he's only done it with about three to four major moves. And of course, the moves I'm talking about is the head coach hire of Emei Doka, the trade deadline moves of Dennis Schroeder, the move of Daniel Tice, and as well as getting, of course, Derek White, who's been a defensive presence all over there on the perimeter during the uh, NBA postseason and replacing him away from a Josh Richardson trade, sending Josh Richardson to the San Antonio Spurs. Brad Stevens is known to tweak, but not make earthquakes. He is known to make Little shakes on the table, but to not break the table. He is a bend, don't break type of GM type of guy. He will not go out there and break this team. He would only mold it and bend it to as he pleased and how he thinks would probably best benefit the team. So in order for Sean Marks of the Brooklyn Nets to even consider doing a deal with the Boston Celtics, he would have to figure out a way to not touch Jalen Brown. And if he does touch Jalen Brown, he has to touch Jalen Brown 
and then have at least a couple of picks added on with him, but no players added on because I don't think Brad Stevens would take it. Or he finds a way to get some other starter on that team. And the only deal I'm seeing right now that will make financially make sense, Al Horford, who's already the starting center on that team, probably playing like a 24-year-old at year 36. Al Horford, Naismith, Peyton Pritchard, and possibly you include Grant Williams with three first-round picks would give you Kevin Durant financially. But at the same time, with the Miami Heat also, it just doesn't add up offensively to equivalent a KD production. It just doesn't. And this is why it needs to be a blockbuster trade. It needs to have at least one or two all-stars and an all-star that's less than 25 years old to even get done. This will not be done overnight. I mean, you know, we were talking about all these trade scenarios all over when this started going on at 4 p.m. yesterday, Thursday. It's 12.37 right now in the morning, July 1st. I'm pretty sure it'll be within the next 48 hours. We might not even have a deal yet for Kevin Durant. However, that's what it seems to be for KD and possibly the best options for KD right now being New Orleans or Boston. But we will not know a specific answer tonight. Probably later on tomorrow, hopefully in the morning. I'm not too positive, but it's going to happen sooner than later. And as well, Kyrie Irving is probably going to be walking out that door as you know with him, right falling right behind him. It's going to happen. I mean, Kyrie Irving, yeah, sure, opted in for his contract to play one more year in Brooklyn, but... I guarantee you right now, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons will not work. I highly doubt that he's even going to be in a Brooklyn Nets uniform any much longer in his career than this summer in July. Kyrie Irving, who is actually forcing his way to Los Angeles, that is a word on the street. The only thing I can even see happening with Los Angeles for the Lakers, you move Westbrook, but at the same time, if you move Westbrook with Irving, over to the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn's going to have to take and add it on $11 million to pay Russell's salary. So, probably won't happen. And if I'm Sean Marks, won't be the smartest thing to do or to rush into. Especially with Westbrook probably not going to be re-signing with the Brooklyn Nets, even if his contract is done afterwards. So, I wouldn't even pull that trigger. But then again, who would even pull to do the trade for Kevin Durant? That's the real question. And going off with now, away from the KD news, away from all that mayhem, we also want to talk about ending off with at least Brooklyn side of things. Patty Mills actually agreed to a two-year deal, and as well as Nick Claxton also agreeing to a deal uh, to rejoin the Brooklyn Nets. And I thought that was real interesting because with all the news of Kevin Durant leaving and possibly Kyrie Irving as well falling him out the door, the other players in Brooklyn are not scared of this. They're looking to stick around. They're looking to rebuild. And reality hits. And it's like, man, with those guys gone, it looks like Brooklyn has enough money to go crazy. I mean, Nick Klassen, as I mentioned before, a two-year deal. He ends up getting $20 million off of that deal. And then Patty Mills, $14.5 million off of a two-year deal for himself. So these guys are getting paid probably better than they could have gone anywhere else. And at the same time, you know, despite seeing Kevin Durant leave, Kyrie leave, James Harden leaving mid-season last year and getting swept by the Boston Celtics and it's like everything looks to be down for Brooklyn, players are still wanting to go there. And at least players still want to stay there when it comes to Patty Mills and Claxton. So there's some hope out there in Brooklyn. 
But at the same time, this has to be a worse shamble fall for the Brooklyn Nets than I've ever seen them. I mean, th I mean, this is probably worse than when they got fleeced by the Boston Celtics in 2013. About nine years ago, that was. That big trade that said that, oh, the big-time Brooklyn Nets, Paul Pierce, Darren Williamson, Kevin uh, Garnett. And now it's just, I mean, it just gets worse. No matter who goes in that building, it's like the Brooklyn Nets can't make it to an Eastern Conference Finals. It's insane. It's absolutely miraculous to see the Brooklyn Nets even fail with some of the pieces they have on paper. But now we go into other teams for this NBA free agency. One of the interesting things I found was that the Milwaukee Bucks, the uh, you know, if you haven't seen Bobby Portis's uh, recent few highlight reels, it's all been in the playoffs, and some of them have been in the NBA Finals for the Milwaukee Bucks, especially in 2021. Bobby Portis ends up returning back to Milwaukee on a four-year, $49 million deal. And this is actually more or less a surprise to me just because it looked like at first he wasn't going to return to Milwaukee. It looked like he was actually going to get for more money out there in free agency. And he ends up going back for four years, $49 million. If you ask me, Bobby Portis could be a starter on at least half of the NBA rosters out there and get paid more than $70 million, maybe even $65 million, But he's around that range right now. This man, Bobby Portis, to me, has taken a pay cut to stay on a Milwaukee team that's looking to, you know, keep the band back together and go for another run for a title. And the best part of all of this, not only do they get Bobby Portis back, Joe Ingles agrees to a deal, I believe a year deal. So they bring in another veteran presence in, in Ingles, and Milwaukee is just back on the road again and only improving more. I mean, it looks like every single time we look at Milwaukee, it's like their front office looks like they're adding players and never getting rid of them. It's, it's quite incredible. I don't know what else to say about that. But speaking of which, from what we're seeing right now, I mean, other teams, they're trying to keep everything together. They're trying to get players back. I mean, as I mentioned before, the Miami Heat have kept on with bringing back players. They already brought back Oladipo. They already brought back uh, Dwayne Dedman. But the one team I'm looking at right now is the New York Knicks, who decided not to bring back players, but to ship out players to move on money. And of course, I'm talking about what has been in the news for the past few weeks of Jalen Brunson, the Dallas Maverick, who went off to be the second option on that team in Dallas who went to the Western Conference Finals, lost in five games against Golden State. But still, Jalen Brunson has proved himself to be a top-class guard in the NBA. The New York Knicks ended up shipping out during the draft Alec Burke as well as Nerlens Noel. And why would they do that? To make moves to at least get some money out there for a Brunson deal, and yes, this deal was made official earlier tonight where Brunson has done a four-year deal with the New York Knicks, about 104 to $110,000,000 a part of that deal for the next four years for Brunson. And what does this deal mean for New York? It means that they're actually in the playoff race. I kid you not. Last year, sure, the second year in the Thibodeau era, and everyone says, oh, wait for Thibodeau in year two. Wait for Thibodeau in year two. He's usually not the best coach out there. 
I'm telling you right now, the New York Knicks might just be back. Jalen Brunson is a phenomenal talent, and we saw it in the NBA playoffs. I mean, during that season last year, he averaged at least 15 to 16 points a game, but don't let that blind you from his recent stats. You saw him against Utah. You saw him against the Golden State Warriors. You saw him against the Phoenix Suns battling out against Chris Paul as well as Devin Booker. The man can play basketball on the highest level in the National Basketball Association. The New York Knicks, with Julius Randle, I feel like they found themselves another star. Now, Jalen Brunson isn't an all-star yet. He hasn't even proven himself that much in the NBA during his few years in the in the NBA after being uh, winning that championship in Villanova, I believe. But still, Jalen Brunson has proven up to me that he deserves $110 million. Especially the way that everyone is just throwing out $200-plus-million-dollar contract extensions to anybody now that's an all-star under the age of 25, 28. So if you ask me, Jalen Brunson is that guy for New York and that backcourt of R.J. Barrett, who's a developing guard out of Canada and still is getting better by the years, will now join Jalen Brunson as both of them are looking to be all-stars soon. And I'll have to say sooner than later because R.J. Barrett, he looks pretty good out there. If Julius Randle can actually get himself together, then I would have to say that might be a real possibility Potential ceiling, sixth seed for the New York Knicks. But the Knicks look to be a real deal with Jalen Brunson. And I don't think they're going to stop with him. I feel like there's going to be another move out there coming out of New York. I mean, they already waved and moved out Kemba Walker. I feel like Evan Fournier will be the next guy up to be moved around. But at the same time, only time will tell. Only time will tell. And we saw a bunch of other moves. We actually, um, not too long ago, a couple of minutes ago, we actually saw Andre Drummond sign with the Chicago Bulls which I think is an interesting deal because it's actually a two-year deal with the Chicago Bulls where Andre Drummond will join Vucevic in that front court. So that would mean that Zach Levine, when he does do that contract extension or re-signs with the Chicago Bulls, he's expected to, hasn't done anything yet. But the expectation is for him to re-sign with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, we're talking about, I mean, Lonzo Ball, if he comes back healthy. Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. Vucevic and Andre Drummond. That starting five just sounds ridiculous. I think Billy Donovan and Chicago Bulls got something going on right now. I mean, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan's a hell of a duo out there in the backcourt. Again, Chicago wasn't really all that dominant. They were dominant for a good two to three year, I mean, uh, two to three year uh, month portion of the NBA season. But then they just went stale and cold going to the playoffs, losing in five games against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Chicago Bulls right now are making moves where they have to battle that. Andre Drummond can help out Vucevic going into the later parts of the season, right? They still have to make moves on the bench side of things. McCoby White is still there. I mean, they can still get a couple of guys out in free agency. I mean, Colin Sexton who is out there from Cleveland is in free agency and they might not even bring him back as a Cavalier just because of Garland's recent success as an all-star. So in reality, I mean, Chicago do anything that they want. With that being said, I mean, the majority of the Eastern conference right now is still looking to add on pieces and the Eastern conference is still looking to be the hardest conference to get out of. And also before I end off this podcast, cause it's about 
It's about 1 o'clock on July 1st for me here. I got work in the morning. But to end off this podcast for a quick recap of day one of uh, NBA free agency, we also have to talk about the Orlando Magic and what they've been doing to get the band back together for Orlando. They got Mo Bamba back for a two-year deal. And as well, and I thought this was more or less of a shock for me personally, they were able to get back Gary Harris on a two-year deal, $26 million contract. And, I mean, <laughs> I loved Harris when he was in Denver. I thought they underused him. And the fact that he has another chance again in Orlando and he's staying in Orlando, I got to say, it's it's a pretty damn bold move or somebody over there in the Magic's organization is you know trading cards with them. There is... I mean, I'll give all the credit to Orlando for keeping this roster. Got the first round, uh, first pick in this year's NBA draft in Paulo. But at the same time, man, Gary Harris back in Orlando, that's a huge win if you're a Magic fan. If you're a Magic fan, you want to see him again on the court, actually this time with a lot of minutes. I mean, Gary Harris, incoming uh, revenge season for all the doubters. Hey, it's a real possibility right now. It's a real possibility. But I'm ended off there with uh, a couple of those free agency moves, the KD talks, and just the insane money throwing of $200 million extensions, which I still can't believe. But, you know, I I really don't want this episode to get past an hour. I know that this episode deserves more than an hour, so I'll probably having an episode later on at the end of Friday, uh, basically today, just later on today. Uh, But, of course, you know, this is an early morning recap. This is probably going to be called part one of NBA free agency. So look out for part two later on today. And hopefully part two will include a Kevin Durant official trade. So we'll be looking out as well here on the Courtside Podcast. So thank you and I'll see you guys on the next episode soon.